Welcome to Hands at the Table. I'm your co-host, Jeff Bramhall. Alongside fellow massage therapist, Bori Saranyi, this podcast shows massage therapists how powerful our profession can be. We believe that as a craft and as a profession, massage therapy is only limited by a therapist's imagination and willingness to put in the work. By sharing what we're learning, what we're working on, and what's captured our interest, we hope to broaden your perspective, inspire you to set your standard high, and invest in your craft. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Welcome to Hands at the Table again with a solo episode with me, Bori. And in this episode, I wanted to talk about selling your practice as a massage therapist. This question pops up on my Facebook every once in a while. And I always feel like since I did it, um, I want to give better advice to people who are thinking about doing this. So me talking about this and telling you how I did it solely comes from the place that I think there's a better way. For me, it was hard because like nobody really could help me. I couldn't really reach out to anybody who did this before. And I really didn't get any guidance. So I had to figure it out by myself and it wasn't the best solution and it didn't work out how I wanted to work out. So if you hear something that's valuable for you, even if it's just a little bit, it's already better than hearing nothing of it. So first and foremost, for me in Texas, what happened is that I had a very healthy business. I ran it for four years. It was my primary practice full time. And I built it up from zero. So of course, I had this like emotional attachment to it. You know, I had the name, I had the website, I had the clients, I had a really good relationship with them. I had a good referral system coming in all the time. So it was a safe and secure practice by itself. And it just ran itself. It was very comfortable. And what happened is I, I had to move away. So I also wanted to kind of like capitalize on that and see if, you know, I can get something out of my hard work in the past four years. See if like somebody can take it over and make it bigger and flourish it more and just take it to the next level. Because when I moved away, I felt like I don't have time or energy or capacity to grow it even further because I just, I was either working, I couldn't, I didn't have more time to grow the business or work on the business itself because I was working in it. So I was looking forward to this move and maybe have somebody who wants to take it over and wants to grow it even more. So I was looking for uh, vendors that can afford what I was looking for, what the money I was asking for, and maybe the conditions also. For me, that was a big deal because I knew what my clients want and I knew what type of care they used to. And this is a very important point. In Texas, legally, and probably in other states too, you can't really sell a massage therapy practice. It's not like a chiropractic practice. It's not like a medical practice. Because in that case, you sell their information, their uh, previous visit, uh, soap notes, and all that stuff that you did. And it's a little bit easier because, you know, if you really think about it, unfortunately, chiropractors or doctors is not an as personal space, not as a personal relationship that you have with your massage therapist, right? Like we hear these stories, like you tell your massage therapist everything. We probably know more about our patients that an MD does because they just say everything or tell us what we ask for. 
and we also see them more often. So it's a very, very uh, personal relationship that is built on trust. And I think that's the most important when you think about selling your practice is that those clients trust you that you will find somebody for them that are good and similar to you and they care for them. You know, they kind of like looking for the continuation of this relationship, the continuation of this care, your knowledge base, like all that. So I was looking for somebody, I specialize in sports and orthopedic. So I was looking for somebody who is interested in that and wants to, it doesn't necessarily have to have the same toolbox as I do right now, but at least they're interested in it. So they will keep on learning. They will keep on going to classes and all that. So that's what I was looking for. And uh, I had a couple of applicants. I had a lady who was a definitely not a good match. And we sat down and talked. And for me, what turned me off is a couple of things. First of all, my practice, like I'm a fair, like I'm a healthy individual. I work out, I eat normal. I don't smoke, for example. And this lady was almost like the opposite on many, many levels. And that was kind of annoying to me at that time because I didn't understand like if you smoke on your um, breaks, then how would you expect, you know, how would you tell somebody that it's unhealthy or how would you... If you are yourself not representing, you are you are your own brand. And my name was Gavison Sports Massage, and I just did not see this lady manifesting or stepping into that role. Like, right? Like, see, she wasn't healthy. She wasn't working out. She didn't really do any sports. So at that point, like, how do you expect somebody to know what it takes to, like, run, do a triathlon or play any kind of sports if they don't have the experience? For me, that was a big part of it. If I tell my clients that, you know, these are the exercises that they should do, it should be coming from a person who also did those exercises and tried those and kind of like at least can have some kind of experience in the health and fitness world, right? So for me, that was a little bit annoying. The other part, the other question or sentence that she said that was really annoying to me, and that's ultimately why I was not even thinking about her, is because I asked her, I was like, okay, so what's your... What's your idea? What kind of classes do you want to take? Um, do you think you're going to go more into sports? Here's this class and that class. And what do you think? And she went, well, I already did sports massage. And I know the lady, she did six hours of sports massage. I did 173. That's not the same. If you did six hours of sports massage, you didn't do sports massage. You had a class in sports massage, but you don't know how to do it. Six hours, and I know that class. I took that class. I was teaching that class before. It's solely about post-event massage, and it's only just a three-hour class with three-hour hands-on. So that's not really what I was looking for. I was looking for somebody who's invested into sports and orthopedics, and is willing to uh, go further on that route and learn more and more and more. I wasn't looking for the answer, the exact same classes that I take, but I was looking for, oh, these are the list of classes I want to do, and this is the way I want to you know, grow my practice, and this is the way I want to go to. So that was definitely something that always turns me down and turns me off from recommending somebody if I look at their 
resume or their website and the last class they did was in 1997. Like, no, there's, we know so much more about it or even just to have, you know, those like tiny little six hour classes. Like I'm not, um, discrediting them but a six hours ethics course or a six hours Thai massage or a six hours sports massage or a six hours orthopedic does not make you a sports orthopedic or Thai massage therapist that's just under the under for me like under the hundred under a hundred hours like you're not just not even close um so anyway, so that turned me off. Like, so she didn't go for it. Like, fortunately, that was good. Unfortunately, she didn't take that very well. And we had some uh, troubles after that. But that's not my problem. And, you know, for me, it's karma takes care of it. So I don't really have to worry about that. And then I had two other applicants who were trying to buy this practice together. And they actually did take over. I think it looked really good on paper. Um, the only thing that I also try to do with them is that I knew that my clients will only stay with these people if coming in the first session, they can create that trust, they can create that relationship right off the bat, like right off the bat, that client doesn't feel like this is a new therapist, I was starting from zero, that client feels like, oh, okay, it's the same thing. I'm just getting, it's just a different person, but I'm getting, getting the same questions, the same, they know about me, they know my history, they know what we did. Maybe they do a little recap and ask me like, you know, what I did like, what I didn't like, and kind of like starting from, not starting from zero. That was the whole point. So I offered um, these practitioners to like, hey, for, you know, for a higher price, I could, I think we could uh, work on a bigger or like a higher retention rate. And that would entail me like they come in on earlier, they start working with me earlier. I personally, you know, uh, introduce them to my referral system, the gym owners and the practitioner, other practitioners. I take them to those places. I personally, you know, go hold their hands and like really just have them step up with me kind of and come with me to do these events and these meetings. And I also do that for my clients. Like I personally introduce them. I talk about my clients with them. We go through their issues. We go through the things that did work or didn't work, the things that they did like, didn't like, and really make sure that those clients stay with them. Because that would be the whole point, right? If you're buying a practice, that would be the whole point that those clients actually stay with the new therapist. So the downside of it is that massage therapists don't necessarily have a lot of money lying around. Like that's not the demographic that just has $10,000 just in their pocket at all times. So for one reason or another, they didn't win with that option, which made this, this deal cheaper for them. But I don't think it also worked out how they want it to be. Um, I don't think it was as successful as it could have been. Uh, with a little bit more help from my side, which I was willing to give. And I think that was kind of like a missed opportunity from their side, or at least that's how I look at it. I honestly, if I would have been in that situation, I would have taken like all the help I can get from the previous owner. And I would, you know, like whatever they think it's helpful, I would have went with some of it because it is my best intention to keep those clients. And if I can't keep those clients, 
I basically just wasted my money. So at that point, I think it was a little bit of loss on both sides, and it was a little bit of loss for my clients because I know a lot of people didn't stay with them or just got lost in the system or just didn't really pick up. And that takes me to my next point that in legality, like you can't really sell a practice. So what I did is that um, I reached out to my clients two different ways. Like I sent them a written letter and then I also sent them a text message saying, telling them about the change of ownership and recommending and referring my clients to these two professionals who took over my practice and really just like giving them a praise and talking about them, like how much they know and like, what do they know? And they should check out the website and learn more about them. And really, really, I was just encouraging them to like go see them first couple of times and really give them a chance and really show up. Like, don't stop caring for yourself. Keep showing up and keep coming. Because that's all you really can do. Like, right, officially, I can't really give out their contact information or their charts or notes uh, because that we're not in that, we're in that gray area in the medical system where we're not medical profit, practitioners. So that doesn't, but there's something that we can give and something we can sell. So I think that was a good thing. And I wish there was, that would be more time um, to kind of like have this transition. And the other thing that they did is that after I sent those letters and those text messages, so I reached out to my clients in two different ways, they send them like one introductory message. So I promised my clients that they're not going to get spammed by these new people, but they're going to get like one message at least at the beginning from, from the new practitioners so they can save their numbers and like really just have this conversation going and they know where to turn to. So that's the other thing that you can do uh, and kind of just really encourage your patients and clients. That's all you can really do for your future, um, the, the new owners. And then about the price, I think like how I made it up is um, I was thinking about like how fast they're going to be able to bring it back in. So I kind of did, you know, my math on my monthly, how much I bring in, what are my gross, um, gross income, what is my expenses, how much I'm taking home with like minus taxes and all that. And I just kind of like, kind of like picked like four months. I was like, okay, so this is, you can make this price back in four months if everything stays the same, or even if you drop like 30% of the clients. Um, and I think that's a fair assumption because if you're buying a full-on practice, if you can't keep it up, if you can't keep 70% of the people, that's kind of on you. Like then you miss the point somewhere. Like the new owner missed the point somewhere because those clients were regular clients. And I'm only talking about the regular clients. I didn't calculate in all the one-offs or the walk-ins or even like, I think like once a month was my cut off for the regularity. Like I wanted to only include clients that, that I know they were invested in this treatment. I know they were coming. I know they were sticking with it. Not just like people who walk in from the street. That was not in the deal. Uh, because I don't think those are, those informations are valuable enough. At that point, you know, I was selling my website. I was selling my name. The website only has value if, you know, if it has clicks on it and that, 
the way that I built it up in the past four years, my Google presence, my website presence, my online, everything that was in the in the package as well, because that makes you, you know, when Google searches, like it makes you on the top list, right? So that's when you want. And if you start from the zero, that's really hard to reach. So in four years, I had enough traffic that I was coming out pretty top on the list, especially in my area for sports and orthopedic therapies. Everybody on the island, like a lot of people on the island knew who I was. Definitely other practitioners, chiropractors, um, gym owners knew who I was. I had personal relationships with all of them. And I think that was also the value of this sale. Uh, but it's going to be different for every um, every practice. Like I did, I wasn't selling any equipment or location or anything like that. It was just kind of like the connections, the network and the regular clients. Um, yeah, so I think like those are the most important points when you try to sell your practice is to see what's included. If you're buying a practice, I would look at the same uh, points. So what are you really buying? What are you really selling? Regular clients, website, name, um, check on all of the data and statistics on their website, like how long has it been on? How active it is? Do they have a newsletter? Do they have a scheduling system? What's going on in their business? Um, you know, ask for their tax uh, returns for the past couple of years, which again can be tricky for massage therapists since a lot of massage therapists uh, operate on the basis of cash, which is kind of like the downfall of these things. So like you can't really show for your success. Um, luckily, I wasn't one of those people. So I had actually really good tax returns. And, you know, I know exactly where my money is going and how much I'm making. But definitely, so the data points and numbers is number one. And then who are you selling or who is your seller? Who is your buyer? Having to have that continuity or that similarity of technique, personality, because it's mainly about personality, knowledge base, interests, like kind of like just like, uh, would you be like really good friends with this person? Like, would you work with them if you would still be in the practice? Would you guys be good co-owners together? Because that's, I think like, that's helpful to know, like how much you match, how much you mash together. And would the clients get the same care that they got under you? Like, that's what they're looking for. That's why they're with you. So you kind of have to provide the same. It's not just about, okay, it's here's the new owner, it's going to be totally different. Because if they were looking for orthopedic care, they're not going to be happy with an energy healer. Like that's just not how it's going to work. Like I go see different massage therapists for different issues, but I don't see go an energy healer for an orthopedic issue and vice versa. So that definitely depends on the buyer and the seller, how much you guys are close together and how much you fit each other basically. And then how do you do the sale? So are you, is it like an abrupt one-time payment and then you step out of the picture? Is it a continuous takeover? Is it when you stay still on board? Do they pay you in monthly payments or based on how much retention do they have? I do not recommend this because once you sell the practice, once you step out of the picture, the retention rate is solely based on the new owner's capacity and uh, business uh, business side uh, and how good they are. So I would not recommend 
basing your money off of like how much they can retain because that's not a true um that's not a true showing of the opportunity they got like think about it as a seller you are offering this is value like having a regular client base is a thing that people fight for this is what you work for in years and years and years and if you're new to the profession if somebody offers you something like this highly think of that value that you're getting because it is hard it is hard to make it out there especially in inundated areas like houston we have a gazillion therapists a lot of them really good a lot of them not so good but as the prices fluctuate like you are definitely in for a fight so if you somebody offers you like even if it's like a half one take it because it is such an opportunity and after that work really hard to keep that keep those clients it's not it you know it's i'm saying work really hard but it's not that hard but it is solely on the new owner to keep those clients and you have a great opportunity on your hand so how you if and take all the help that the previous on owner uh, offers you take it like learn about the clients before ask for the notes ask for information on them like what do they like what they don't like and then also offer a new start for the new cl- uh, the clients also like ask them like okay great like this is what i learned from your previous therapist like we talked about you and i know this is what you guys did before what did work for you what did you like about it what did you didn't like what didn't you like about it and go like on your way you're still going to be you you're still going to be doing your own therapies but you're getting a huge head start with those clients like that trust and relationship is is in there so i think those are the most important parts is to you know what are you really selling how are you going to transition what is the price and who are you selling it to who are you buying it from so think about those things if you're thinking about buying or selling a practice uh i see a lot of them being like transitioned right now in this era and just respect the work like if you haven't owned a business you you don't know how much work it is to build up something from zero if you own the business then respect the previous owner's hard work and really value it i think and if you're coming from that that place where you understand how much they did even you can just ask them like what did you do for this practice i think it's very very helpful and i think it's very valuable so if you have any questions about this you can feel free to reach out to me on instagram or facebook borishrani lmt and or on my website restorebuy360oronlinelmt.com please reach out or send us an email and see you guys next week hopefully uh with another episode at hands at the table uh hope everybody had a good week and keep listening thank you all for being here bye thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of hands at the table if you got something out of this episode have comments or topics you'd like us to cover please let us know by tagging us on instagram bori is at restore underscore revive underscore therapy and jeff is at just breathe manual therapy we'd also appreciate if you can take a minute to leave us a rating like or review wherever you listen it'll help other people find us we'll see you next week